This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. This is not a regular player. This is not a pretty good quarterback. This is an all-time great. Is he? A strange bird off the field? He's a little nuts, I think. Okay? That's his deal. Is he really weird? Yeah. You don't have to hang out with him. You just have to put on your Jet jersey, go to the stadium, and watch him do his thing, which is move the Jets down the field and into the end zone, which is something you have not had in years. Subscribe to the Mike Francesa podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Mike Missanelli Podcast. Another one. Yes, it's podcast episode 31 today, Thursday, December 8th. And of course, these are the days that we look ahead to the upcoming Eagles game and preview. It's the Eagles and the Giants. Now, yeah, the Giants were supposedly early in the season, one of these teams is going to challenge the Eagles, and everybody's saying, okay, they're going to lose one to the Giants. I don't know. The Eagles are 11-1 and the Giants 7-4-1. And, of course, they go up to North Jersey for this game. So let's, uh, let's analyze whether the, the Giants can actually pull an upset here. They uh, tied with the Washington Commanders last week. It was a bad look for the Giants. They really had a win in their grasp. They didn't get it. That tie hurts when you cut the overall playoff calculation. So let's look at this game, and let's look at the Eagles, first of all, and the versatility that the Philadelphia Eagles have right now. Let's go two weeks ago when the Packers couldn't stop the run, and the game plan was to run them to death. Now let's look at last week when the Titans couldn't stop the pass, 31st in the league, and the Eagles killed them with the pass. This is a team that adjusts to what the other team does not do. It is unlike past Eagle teams where you really didn't know what their game plan is going to be. Pretty much, you know they're going to take advantage of the other team's weakness. So let's let's go deep here uh, with this and, and, and how the Eagles can ha- are going to have to play this, this game. The Giants' rushing defense is 26th in the league. Now, that'll tell you right away that the offensive game planners are looking at this go, okay, well, they're – 26 in the lead. They give up 5.1 yards per carry, uh, 141.1 yards per game. Let's attack them. Let's bang them. Let's go between the tackles. Brian Robinson killed them last week. Um, But uh, the Giants also gave up some yards in in the air to Taylor Heineke. Heineke, 275 yards with two touchdowns, 102 rate. So I don't know what the Eagles are going to do in this game. Um, Let's look at uh, the template. On, on how the the Eagles can lose this game. And it was formulated by the, the Washington Commanders. They kept the ball away from the Eagles um, by running the, the ball and, and, and making shorter third downs. First and second down, they get to a manageable third. They converted a lot of first downs in that game. I think it was like 12 of 17. Their time of possession was 40.24. Their third down efficiency was excellent, and they rushed for 152 yards. That is probably how you have to beat the Eagles by keeping them off the field. Uh, so now let's let's look at at what the Giants can do here. Uh, offensively, you know they have to give the ball to Saquon Barkley. They are a very one dimensional team. In a lot of ways, the Tennessee Titans are one dimensional. If Barkley is stopped, I don't believe the Giants can win. Uh, but there's an X factor here, and the X factor was shown a little bit by Ryan Tannehill last week of a mobile quarterback who can get out of the pocket. Uh, let's look at this. Now, uh, Jones was sacked four times last week, um, and the Eagles got six sacks last week. So it, it remains to be seen whether they get that kind of heat on them. But if they do, 
they always have to worry about him doing a 10 and he'll sliding out of the pocket a couple times. Because Jones last week ran for 71 yards on 12 carries. That's 5.9 yards per game. Um, the Eagles, if they are weak in one area of their defense, it's the mobile quarterback can get outside on them. Eagles are giving up 6.0 yards to quarterbacks this year. That's not great. And Jones can run. So if, if you're talking about how the Giants can win the game, they're going to have to win the game with Barkley. And if that doesn't work, then Jones is going to have to be exceptional at running out of the pocket and, and gaining some yards. In fact, he needs close to 100 if they can't get Barkley going. Uh, let's look at the Eagles now. The the uh, Jalen Hurts on an MVP role, right? Top five in completion percentage, passing yards per attempt, passer rating. Can the Giants get heat on him? Well, there's one guy that can get heat on him. There's one guy who has the kind of quickness to get to Hurts, and that's Kayvon Thibodeau. Uh, And he's been playing well lately. If they can get pressure on Hurts, the Giants have a chance to affect them defensively. I don't see it happening. So uh, I think the Eagles win this game rather easily. I don't think the Giants uh, are are up to this kind of a task where they're going to upset them. Uh, now, they did get 10 quarterback hits last week, uh, and they got five sacks. So it is possible that the Giants can affect Hurts to, to that uh, capability. But like I say, Hurts has not been able uh, to be stopped by anybody. He's had the answer for most everybody, and, and last week it was like one of his best games ever. So uh, so here we stand with the, uh, with the Giants. The line in this game – Started at 5.5, five and a half. It went to seven. It's back to six and a half. Uh, I see the Eagles covering this easily. And again, it's because they they attack whatever their the weakness is on, on um, uh, their opponent. And and today, or in this game, it's going to be that the Giants really can't stop the run. I expect them to go run heavy. And when they go run heavy, that's going to loosen up some play action passes and I think that uh, Devontae Smith has a monster game in this one. I think they're going to pay special attention to A.J. Brown this game. I think it's going to let Devontae a little loose. Uh, the, the tight end still is a situation that uh, is weak for for the Eagles, but it hasn't hurt them so far. It would be nice if uh, Calcaterra, Jack Stoll, or, uh, uh, or or the other guy, Jackson, can, can make some plays uh, on offense. So let's bring in uh, Darren, producer Darren. Uh, when you see this game, you know, at one point you looked at it like, well, maybe the Giants can pull this off. But the Eagles have been so consistent, and the Giants have hit kind of a wall, and, and they are one-dimensional. And one-dimensional teams, if you don't run the ball successfully, and late in the year, the running game slows down because running backs are banged up. They don't have the same energy. So I don't believe they're going to be able to dominate the game with Saquon Barkley, and if they can't, they can't beat this team. I think you're looking at another team that is very similar to what they saw last week. You know, first of all, one-dimensional teams in the NFL right now are extremely diff- are extremely easy to defend. Um, and the Giants remind me a lot of what the Titans do well. They run the ball well. But like a game against Tennessee, if you can get a, a you know, you get a 10-point lead on the Giants, they're not built to come back. They're not built to score points in chunks. And there's just too much. I mean, you look at the Eagles' defense. You look at the defensive backfield, even without uh, Maddox, even without uh, Gardner-Johnson. There are cornerbacks. That's the best cornerback duo in the NFL. Who is Daniel Jones going to throw to on Sunday? Nobody. Who got? So they've got to run the ball effectively very well early on. And they and the Giants are one of those teams that's going to need to get like a 10 to 2 score, a 10.14 point lead. And then hopefully play some defense against the leading MVP candidate in the NFL. It's a tall order. This game is a cigar, the halftime cigar piece. The Eagles are going to knock them out. Early. A halftime cigar piece. Yeah. Uh, all right. Now, now here's the thing. I just want to mention this uh, to Daniel Jones. In, in, in case you're thinking of throwing the ball down the field, the Eagles pass defense has a 73.6 rating against the pass. They're first in the league. And uh, they, they only give up 6.0 yards per attempt. That is second in the league. So, uh, Mr. Jones, that's going to be a tall order for you. Now, the Eagles, until last week, had given up 
some yardage to running backs. And that only scares me a little bit. 4.5 yards per carry running backs. But they shackled Derrick Henry last week. And they have much more depth in the middle. They, their rotation now is as solid as it can be with adding all those players. Jordan Davis is back. Their linebackers are playing well. Uh, I think this is a one-sided game. I think the Eagles go to 12-1. and one, And, uh, you know, then they knock off the Bears. And then comes the big game down the road. The third straight game on the road against the Dallas Cowboys. But don't you fret, Eagle fans. Yeah, let your Giant fans let you, you know, talk, yap, yap, yap. I know your Giant fans. Uh, early in the year, these Giants fans were insufferable. Oh, my God, they got Brian Dable. They turned this franchise around. Look at it. And, and all of a sudden, they're, you know, they're 7-4-1. That's okay. They're not in Eagles category. Eagles win by two touchdowns in this game. It's the Mike Mussinelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, so um, if you have been listening to this podcast, you know, one of the most popular podcasts that we've done uh, of the 31 that we've done so far uh, on the uh, Mike Masnelli podcast uh, sponsored uh, brought to us by the great people at Bed Rivers was the, the one-on-one interview I did with the, with the great Angelo Cataldi. Now, as we know, Angelo, the longtime morning host at WIP, is uh, leaving the ship. Uh, after the the Eagles complete their season, and we don't know when that's going to be, it may be that he may have to hang around for a parade. But these are the last days for Ange, and uh, we talked about our careers together in a podcast that was very popular here uh, on this network. So, so Ange gave me a little quid pro quo today and invited me on his show. Now, uh, I have not – obviously, WIP was the station I started doing sports talk radio with. Uh, but I had not, my voice had not been heard on that radio station in 20 years. So it was a little strange to be on with Ann's this morning. And uh, we talked about uh, various, uh, various things. And so uh, we thought we, if you missed that interview today, um, catch this one. And if you didn't, if you missed the one that I did with Angel on the podcast, go back and catch that one. So here was the follow-up interview as uh, Angel Catalami had me on the morning show today on WIP. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a big moment, I think, for a lot of people who were here when WIP first really became a part of the culture of sports fans of this town, because he was one of the first people that left the Inquirer to come here and became almost an immediate hit working in the afternoons and with Steve Fredericks and then later with Howard Eskett. And he is no longer in radio, but it sounds like he's too busy to do radio. It is a great honor to have on our show today former star of WIP and other stations, but I'm not mentioning them. Mr. Mike Missanelli. Hi, Mike. How are you today? Uh, um, am I in the twilight zone here? Uh, come I'm on, on Mike. On, it's been 20 years since my voice has been on this uh, station. 20 years since we heard Mike Missanelli's <laughs> voice. But, Mike, how were those 10 or so years you did here? Did you love it? Oh, well, listen. Uh, we, we told stories. So I had you on the podcast telling the stories that the early days and how the station evolved is, it's a, it's an amazing story, really. It, it, you know, we we all jumped into it, and you went first, and, and we all jumped into it, and and we made a a pretty good success out of it. Uh, none of us expecting, I don't think, that we were going to be that successful. But um, you know, it, somebody was sending out a picture of an old lineup, and uh, we had guys like Chuck Cooperstein in there, oh, and yeah. you know, those days. But, uh, and the station just it, we had a, a really good flow back then, and uh, I think people really j- jumped on it. Right, but, Mike, can we admit the truth now? None of us had any idea what we were doing when we first came here. Am I right? You did. No, I, I, I did not. I faked it for a long well, time. You, you, you faked it pretty well because you went from I – mean, I mean, here's the thing about you is that uh, you know, I used to watch you as a journalist at the Inquirer, and you're a serious guy. I mean, it's just a serious get-the-story type of guy. And then you clicked the switch and became a personality within a day. And, and, and went to radio, and it's just like this whole different Angelo came out. And you learned right away what you needed to do. You, you showed a personality, and you, you created a kind of a blueprint on, on how to do it. And then we all followed it. All right, but Mike, here's the real truth. You had a way back fallback than I did because you had the writing, which you were great at, and you had a law degree. You were a lawyer. You could have done that. Was this more fun than that other stuff? Is that why you liked it? I took a shot at it. Uh, I really did. The Inquirer, I stayed, uh, I got the law degree when I was still working at the Inquirer, and I was ready to leave the Inquirer. They offered me the college basketball beat. The first assignment was in Hawaii. Oh. And so I go, I, 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 I'm going to cover the Maui Classic. So I figured I, 
I would put it on hold for a year, and then I really started to like it because, listen, newspapers back then had a budget, and we were flying all around to do stories, and it didn't feel like work, and all these guys I went to law school with were miserable. And, and then it came to the end where it started to get old because a bad editor came in, if you remember. Oh, he killed and, it. <laughs> so we all – and we were doing these little hits on uh, WIP, and uh, they were always frowning on it. Like, the in-car fought us because they were the ivory tower, and uh, they, they looked at sports radio like was so beneath them. Uh, so we always got that. And it, and it just got to, like, to the point where newspapers kind of got old. And uh, what you jumped, what we all noticed it. And then out of the blue, I guess that's going to left to go somewhere. And out of the blue, they offered me the evening uh, drive spot with Steve Fredericks. I had been doing weekends with Stan Hockman, not thinking it would ever turn into a full-time job. And at, just out of the blue, they did. And they were, pay, they were paying more money in the Enquirer. So, yeah, uh, I, that's all I, it was, I, Mike. That's yeah, why I, I came here for 20 grand more. That's all it was. <laughs> yes. But it was 20 grand more was, like, significant to us. We were you know, slaving as a newspaper guy making, like, $50,000 or whatever it was at the time. And I said, you know, what do I have to lose? He offered me a one-year contract to work with Steve Fredericks to do evening drive. I said, if it doesn't work out, I, I can practice law or whatever I, I was going to do. And I took a shot, and, and it worked. All right, but people should know, Steve Fredericks was one of the true building blocks. He was one of the first that ever did it. He and Howard were the first two. What was that like, Mike, to go in there? You're in drive time with very little experience working with an icon. What was it like working with Steve? Uh, that's a really good question because I didn't know how it was going to work. Steve uh, obviously had nine lives, right? And this yep. was kind of like the ninth life that, that he was on. And uh, at first, he, he was the bombastic Steve who had, he was used to being that guy. And then I think he realized that, um, that I was the wise ass and that he <laughs> would be better off playing to me. And he figured that out right away because he was a radio pro. And, and then at, from that point on, he, he he like became the back back guy. He was the straight man to me, and uh, I think that's what worked about it because he he allowed me to mess mess with him a lot without without getting yeah. angry. Michael, he knew. No, he no, knew. Rhea. He knew entertainment. Uh, Rhea was one I of was your, your producers, producer, yeah. right, Mike? Yes, Rhea was one of the first producers we ever had. And, and Joe Wechter, he was one. And, and, right, and, and, you know, she could tell you a million stories oh. about about Steve, but. Here's the thing about Steve that was most entertaining to me. During the commercials, he would tell me a story out of the blue because he had such a full life. I mean, he was all over the place with radio in Boston and this and that. And, of course, he had the problem, the drug problems, and, and there were all these kind of stories. And I remember one, like, during the commercial, I would muse. I had a newspaper. Remember newspapers? I, I used to look at stories in the newspaper, and I saw this story about Fred Grandy who was gopher on the love boat. Yeah, I know him. Yeah. What about right. him? So he, he was running for governor of Iowa or senator of Iowa, something like that. Look at this. Gopher is running for political office. Steve blurts out, yeah, I used to do drugs with that guy. <laughs> what? Go, no I way. Go, I go, what? what? <laughs> he, he, goes, he goes, yeah, we were all members of an acting troupe in Boston, and uh, we used to go out in this boat in the Boston Harbor, and uh, you know, he'd be dropping acid. And by the end of the day, his face would be by the propeller. <laughs> oh, my God. He was, oh. <laughs> I go, and these were stories that would come out, like, at, almost every commercial in his life. And then he, he adds this. To it. He goes, yeah, that's when I was dating Jane Curtin. Oh, he I dated go, Jane <laughs> Curtin from Saturday Night Live? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and these stories would blow me away. And he would tell them, like, like naturally. You know, like, and he, you know, he was. I miss him a lot, man. He was uh, he, he was, was great. great. All right, so I, I can't ignore this part of your WIP history. After you and Steve were broken up for whatever reason, you ended up with Howard Eskin, the other icon building block of sports talk in Philadelphia. First of all, were you in favor of that when they told you? Well, no, because they had <laughs> like, Steve and I were a team. Yeah, so they. Uh, I Eskin came back to radio from doing TV, and uh, they thought that putting us together would be a good show, but they kind of, like, threw Steve out the door, and oh. um, they gave him, like, night hours or whatever. So I wasn't in favor of it, 
and I didn't think it would work, <laughs> but uh, because we were just, you know, we were like, uh, to me, our chemistry wasn't good. I, like Howard is what he is, but what he isn't is a team guy. So to do a show with a guy like that was really difficult when he wouldn't play along as a team. Now, you know how that works. You guys have the ultimate team. Well, it, it is much so, harder that way. Uh, I, you know, he is. I, I have said that publicly, and he's gotten angry about it because he has. I will say this, Mike. He has become more one now than he ever was in those early years. But you still had a very successful show with him, didn't you? Um, it was. Yeah, we went on for three years. A lot of people liked it. Uh, some people didn't. I, 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 I literally wanted to kill him every day. Really? <laughs> Mike, do you know what we found amusing, those of us who were producers? You guys sitting in the parking lot in your cars and seeing which one was going to come into the studio first. <laughs> no. That oh, no, isn't true. I, I, oh, he would never come into the studio first. No, that, that was true. In, he would come in within 10 seconds of the show yes, being started yes. saying, what went on today? And, and I, <laughs> so, you know, it was, uh, it was stressful. For me, because I'm an A type personality, wants to do the right thing, and he's an A type of personality, and we clashed. All right, Mike. I, the big thing is, people know you left. There was an altercation with the producer, et cetera, et cetera. Looking back now, because you ended up having a terrific career at the other station, also. Do you have regrets? Do you, you ever look back and went, "Well, Cataldi stayed there the whole time. Macnow stayed there the whole time. Uh, Morganti stayed there the whole time." Do you ever say to yourself, "You know, maybe that should have played out differently, and I should have." kept just that WIP my whole career? Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it, like the first time I left was because of uh, I took the WMR morning show job with, yes, with, that's with right. Joe. And, uh, Conklin. I, you know, I thought that was good, like a different uh, avenue to go down. I was kind of excited to go into a different channel of, of, of radio. And then second time came back, yeah, the altercation I regret. I mean, I, I, I wish I would have. I wish I would have been a little calmer in that particular situation, but you know, I, I have two strikes against me. I'm, I'm Sicilian and, and I'm a Scorpio, and that's bad oh. DNA, and, uh, it, and it mixes. All right. Well, in your career, and what a great career. I don't know if you'll resume it or not. What are you proudest of, Mike? What do, what do you really feel good about in all the years you're in radio in this city? Yeah, you know, I think I, I, I was proud, most proud of, of uh, asking the right question to people. Like, I wasn't afraid to yep. uh, uh, offend people. I, I think that's our newspaper training, our newspaper background, where you, you, you can't be afraid to ask a question if, if you think a guy's going to get angry about the question. You have to ask the question on what the people are listening for. And uh, in a way, you're, you're an advocate for the fan. Uh, and so I always thought, like, uh, I'm going to make enemies because uh, I'm going to treat some people harshly but the question the harsh question needed to be asked to people and uh, so i think like the honesty that comes forth out of that in the long run i think people appreciate more than than the pandering to people you were fantastic at that mike mike um you've been out of it a while now four or five months i guess we had to wait three months for the non-compete to end uh do you miss it what what do you feel now not having it you know, I'll tell you where I missed it during Philly's run, the everyday the everyday reaction that you get from fans. So I'm doing podcasts now, which you don't get that immediate reaction. So, like, that by play was always what was good about what we did in Sports Talk Radio. And uh, so I missed that part of it definitely during the Philly season. And uh, I, I assume we we're going to come down the stretch here if they get to the Super Bowl. I'll miss that interaction with that. Mm. So, yeah, I, I, I do miss it. And, uh, um you know, it's it's weird the way the whole thing worked out. It was, you know, I didn't expect it to work out that way, but but it right. did. And so I tried to now reinvent myself with other things. Well, here's the thing, Mike. The, that podcast I've done a bunch of them. That got more reaction than all the others I've done put together. So I know you're, you're the one I had with you. Yeah, yeah you're it killing the, it. You're killing yeah. it with the podcast. But you got hold on a minute. I guess you have a winery you're involved in now. Is that yeah. true? Yes, it was always a goal of mine to, to own a boutique winery, and I, I looked in Virginia and because uh, that's where I really wanted to go. Uh, and then this, this winery in uh, Cape May Courthouse, New Jersey, named Sally Vineyards, I was looking at that one. It was for sale a few years ago, and I just couldn't get it together at that particular time. So another guy bought it. Now the blue, I emailed him, and I said, listen, I was looking at this winery. I'd really like to be involved. If you're interested in taking on a partner, uh, I, I would love to be involved. And, and he 
did some research on me, and then he knew that I kind of had a name in this area. So uh, he thought it would be a good partnership. So, yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm, Wait I'm, a minute. I'm not done. You have a children's book out? <laughs> yeah, uh, yes, I have a children's book out. I have a book signing this Saturday. Where's that? Uh, I, it's at the Chamonix Mall at Barnes & Noble from 2 to 4. It's called The Adventures of Shima the Sheba. I have a Shiba Inu dog. Yeah. And um, raising that dog was a nightmare. <laughs> it's an untrainable dog. So I had an idea to write a children's book where you, you know, like almost like a child do, doing things wrong and learning from mistakes and things like that. And I just put the dog in that, in that situation where she was an incorrigible and uh, – uh, so I put my head in the dog's head. These Shiba Inus oh. look like they have thoughts, like they have human thoughts. So I matched my human thoughts with the dog's human thoughts, and I the dog narrates the book, but it's really my head that's narrating it. Well, Mike, I got to be honest. I looked this up, right? Don't take this the wrong way. Shima looks a little bit like Askin. <laughs> Stop it. Come on. No, right around the eyes. You look around the <laughs> eyes and the fur, it looks a little bit. Mike, all I could say, Mike, it's so great to have your voice back at WIP. Uh, would you ever consider returning to radio, or is it is that a part of your chapter that's over? No, my my ears are always open for uh, you like go. when this ended at the other station. I came back. I didn't expect that I was going to do anything, and all of a sudden, I got a couple calls to do some some things. So, you know, I'm I'm not ready for the grave. Well, um, <laughs> you know, I can. Uh, uh, I, I I think I would. Uh, you know, listen to any opportunity if it was if it was palatable. So you know that's that's where I stay in that. But I, you know, I'm happy right now with the pace. Right, I'm uh-uh. just I'm working with all these uh, old Inquirer guys. One thing you should know about us from the beginning: when there's money involved, we're always listening. <laughs> yeah, no, no, here's the, here's the beauty of you, Angel. You know, like I'm listening to Ruben, yeah. and you've turned Ruben into a personality. Ruben is a oh, – don't get started because Ruben, he's not – you guys didn't have the best I'm not much of a personality. You know that, Mike. <laughs> really, he, he's like he's, – he, he's like evolved into this you know, radio guy now. And, and I, I look at his Twitter yeah. and, um, you know, we, we only had one shouting match. He was yelling at me on the field once. Oh, okay. That's, that's for missing Ellie. That's one, amazing. One's on just the one. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, one, a, right? that's an under. Mike. It, it, it was one clash where you were yelling at me on the field, and I was yelling back at you. <laughs> Mike, we love you. We love hearing you on WIP again. Thank you so much for doing this today. It's been fun having these conversations with you. And uh, I don't have to wish you success. I know you'll have it, whatever you do. Thank Angelo, you, Mike. Angelo, it's been a delight to be back uh, on WIP. I really appreciate it. Thanks for doing my podcast. The, 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 the reaction that we got on that podcast is just pretty amazing. So people crazy. wanted to hear the other side of Angelo as well. Well, Mike, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I hope we'll talk again soon. All right. Mike Missanelli returns to WIP. How much fun was that? Okay, well, if you listen to that interview, um, Andrew's good at at bringing up stuff that um, will elicit uh, unfiltered responses from me. And he he brought up the name of uh, Howard Eskin. And uh, for the people that don't remember, we we did work together for three years. And that was uh, after I had worked with Steve Fredericks. And I I said, you heard me say in the interview that, you know, I, I, I it was a really a, a unpleasant thing because I you know I had great respect and love for Steve and uh, to see us broken up like that and uh, I knew it was going to be tough to to work with Howard. Listen, Howard is who he is. Okay, um, the bottom line is he's used to working solo and um, when I said he he didn't get the concept of a team, it's not his fault. That's just the way he is. You know, he just he can't blend into anybody else. Like there's got to be a give and a take when you work as a team. And I didn't think the show was very good. Now, there are a lot of people that thought the show was good, um, but I, I didn't think it was it was good radio. It was too acrimonious. We, we clearly did not like each other. Uh, and so you can only like when you sit next to a guy you don't like, he didn't like me. I didn't like him. Uh, you, you don't. It, 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 there's no symmetry there, you know, uh, and there's no synergy. So, uh, Darren, let me just bring you in on that because you were a, a witness in, in those days. I was around for all that <laughs> when we when we when we did the show together. Yeah. So, just let, just let me let me just get your uh, your views on that. Yeah. So, you know, for I was a producer for background for people who don't know. Uh, I was a producer for ten years, maybe closer to eleven straight at WIP before leaving. Actually, I stayed as part time when I went to NFL Films. So, I was around for a lot. 
uh, of your career with Steve. I was yours and Steve's producer for the bulk of my tenure. Um, the, the thing, and you kind of meant you touched on this, for a radio pairing to work, there has to be a yin and there has to be a yang. And, and you know, there were times when I would come in with you and Steve and we would sit down uh, in a production meeting prior to a show and we, I would throw some things out or you would have some things. And I would go, Mike, what do you think about that? And if you had a good opinion on it, Steve was very good at just taking the other side and arguing the other side. Because when you have a good pairing, you're not necessarily who's right, who's wrong. You're presenting both sides. Because a lot of times if you have two guys who completely disagree, uh, it's good. But when you're in agreement, either one way or another, it doesn't always bring for good conversation. You and Steve were great at that to the point where there were times, I remember these times, where I would come in and say, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? And, and, and you would go, I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't give a shit. What do you think, Steve? And he would say his side, and you would go, all right, I'll get the other side. No problem. Because that was <laughs> – you could, could do that. Uh, when you have a guy like Eskin who you just – who there's just no – there's no, um, you know, there's no compromise with him on anything. And when, you know, and look, I don't want to say anything. I have stories about Howard I could talk about for days, I, but they're not, I, it's really not my place to say and how I really feel. Um, but when, you know, he's not someone who's, let's just say this, he's not known for his sense of humor. Okay. So uh, he, a lot of things go over his head, the jokes, the, the, the quips, the jokes go over his head. There's no yin and yang there's no give and take with the conversation uh, it's just it's just purely argumentative to be argumentative and 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 you just that's just not a good pairing when you have that it's just when you could love the both guys but when but when there when there's just no um compromise there's no conversation it's just bickering and arguing it's it's it gets old real quick. Well, you know, listen, we didn't have a game plan, and I I always had a game plan for a show. Angelo has a game plan to the T, and I think you have to have an idea of where you're going to take the show and what, uh, flow. But like he would he 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 would just show up at the time that the show started. <laughs> so even when he was solo, Mike, when he was solo, he would come in and he did it with you too. He would come in and go. He turned his mic on in the studio and go. What's everybody talking about today? What went on today? Or you'd yeah. have a daily news and look at it. Yeah. And uh, so the, the plan was that I would host and then he would host. And I would host and he would. And we would alternate be taking the lead on the show. And I always had a game plan. But when you have a game plan, a guy doesn't follow it. It doesn't know where you want to go with it and doesn't know how he has to play into it. It's not bad radio. Now, I used to tell Tom Bigby, who was the program director, I said, we don't have a game plan. Like, I like to have a game plan. And, and he said, no, I like it when you, you just go on the air because it's it's more organic. But it, it didn't work. And uh, I, I wasn't really happy with it. So, uh, And I will say this. I, I, I have to say at least one thing nice because, uh, you know, I like to stay political. If, if you were a fan and you met Howard down at the stadium, he'd, he'd give you the shirt off his back. He'd treat those people nice. To work with him. A little different. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. I never saw that shirt off the backside, so I don't know where you're getting that. Well, not to us, not to anybody in the in the industry. But if a fan came up, I've seen him be nice to. Fans. Yeah, I haven't seen that at all. So, <laughs> all right, we'll we'll stop it there. That's fine. That was uh, me all at WIP for the first time in 20 years with uh, Angela Cataldi this morning, and Ruben Ruben Amaro was uh, was on it. Uh, you know, I don't know if I told this story before uh, because Ange made a quip about. Uh, you know, Ruben not getting along with me. And I I, I didn't have a problem with Ruben Amaro at all because he had a problem with me one time when we were talking about um, he, he assumed I said something on the air about him that I didn't say. And we had a screaming match on the, on the field before a game when it was, uh, it was about Cliff Lee. And Cliff Lee came on the show and Cliff Lee said that he was lied to by the, uh, by the general manager about not being traded to Seattle. So uh, Ruben accused me of calling him a liar, and uh, and we had it out on the field. Uh, and I said, did you hear the show? And he said, no, somebody told me. I go, well, I'll tell you what. Why don't you listen to the show? Because you're wrong, and you need to apologize. And uh, so we had you know, we had a, a, an uneasy relationship for a lot of years when he was a general manager because of that. And uh, I, had, I hadn't even said anything. Like, I, I wasn't the culprit. So uh, – you know, and I think actually, I tried to say at the end, I think Ruben's doing a good job, and I think Angelo has done a really good job making him part of a a radio team because he he's loosened up a lot, and I think that's because of Angelo. I think yeah, Angelo's really good at that. 
I, I think Ruben is tremendous on the, on some. He's very good on the broadcast and you're on the Phillies broadcast, I should say. Uh, and, and you're right. Ange has gotten, and maybe it is Ange has gotten, he has loosened up a lot. Ruben's very entertaining to listen to now. All right. Let's, uh, let's, well, since it's a Thursday show, let's, uh, let's weave into our picks of the week. Uh, I am uh, proud to say I'm 27 and 22 now, five games over 500. I took a couple L's last week with the Patriots and Purdue. On a hunch, I took Purdue. I thought they were going to cover against Michigan on a down week after they had beaten Ohio State. Two L's on that. The Patriots looked terrible in that game. And uh, and Purdue lost and did not cover. However, three dubs. I took Utah to uh, cover against USC. I took Kansas State to win it outright uh, over TCU. Uh, and I took the Steelers. Uh, on a 16-13 win, the Steelers were a minus point and a half. So uh, that made me three and two over the week. That's 27 and 22 uh, with no college games to speak of because I can't pick the Army-Navy game. I mean, I, how could you do that? I have no idea how to pick that game. Uh, so let's go to all of the NFL this week. And I got three particular plays in the NFL. I'm going to take the Titans. They looked bad last week. You fired their general manager. Usually when there's turmoil like that, you know, it's the backup quarterback theory. The team rallies around the situation, and they're playing the lousy Jacksonville Jaguars under Doug Peterson. They've hit a wall. The Titans have gone from 3.5 to minus 4 in the game. Uh, I'll take the Titans at home to rebound it up to that horrible game against the Eagles to cover against Jacksonville because they're still in the mix, and they need this win. Uh, all right, here's the game that really has my eyeball spinning. And, again, we talk about the line telling you something. I don't know why this line is like this. I haven't really investigated that closely. But the Detroit Lions, who had a big win last week, and the Vikings who slid by against the Jets, the Lions are at home against the Vikings. They are a favorite in the game. In fact, it's gone up. It started at a point and a half the Lions favorite. They're now favored by two and a half against the Minnesota Vikings. Boy, that smells like a Lions W this weekend to cover that number, does it not? If you're if you're looking at the number, there's no reason that the Lions should be favored in that game. There's no reason. So, yes, you're right. It tells me. But that said, I still think Minnesota will. But they are. It gets my attention. This is, again, the line telling you something principal. Nobody would have the Lions as a favorite in this game. Vegas does for a reason. All right, then I'll, I'll finish with the Steelers. Uh, the Steelers are hot. You know, they think they can make a run here. I think they're going to fall a little short. Well, but they're playing really well. Tomlin's got them together. Um, they uh, have gone from a three-and-a-half-point dog against the Ravens to a two-and-a-half-point favorite against the Ravens. And lots of that's because of Lamar Jackson. I get it. Uh, but the Ravens are really struggling. Now, they're winning by the skin of their teeth every week. The Steelers are playing better right now. So I'll take the Steelers to cover as a favorite at home Minus two and a half. So there are my picks. I'm going to take the Titans minus four against Jacksonville. Titans are at home. I'll take the Lions at home minus two and a half against the Vikings. And I'll take the Steelers at home. Now a two and a half point favorite against the Ravens. So are the picks of the week. Again, I'm 27 and 22. Don't forget to download the Bet Rivers app to make all these easy plays. You got that on your phone. You click it in. Boom. It's so easy to make the bet. If you want to bail out of the bet, you can buy out of the bet. In fact, during the game, you can buy out of the bet. You can make live bets as the game is on. In case you spot something, you see a good line that's been changed, hop on it. It's a great app. The Bet Rivers app. For all bets. All right, it's now time. A little segment we call Mike Unleashed. This is where I just kind of rattle off on, on a couple of things uh, that I've seen in life. It could be sports. It could be otherwise. Uh, so let's start with the non-sports thing. The other day, um, first of all, I should tell you that uh, someone scraped the side of my car a couple of weeks ago and uh, kind of put a, a, a smudge dent in it on the passenger side door. Very annoying. Now, I have this thing called uh, ding protection, but uh, I found out that the, the, it doesn't cover a situation like that, that you would have to go through the insurance thing and deductible and all that stuff. So I didn't know what to do with it. I have a navy blue car. It, you really can't notice it that close unless you're on top of it. So the other day, I, I'm in a CVS parking lot, and I park in there, and I'm going to walk into CVS to get some uh, some things, and a guy stops me in a car. He rolls up. He goes, excuse me. I go, yeah. He goes, is that your Mercedes there? I go, yeah. He says, uh, you know, I see the dent in there. He goes, you know, I can fix that for you. 
And I go, excuse me? He goes, yeah, that's what I do. I, uh, I, I work for, uh, uh, I forget what car dealer he said. Uh, he, he said, I, uh, I, I have this mechanism where I can pull these dents out and make it, make it look really good. And I'm thinking to myself, is this guy on the level or, or what? You know, I go, you have the equipment with you? He goes, oh, yeah, I have it in my trunk. And it's a, it's a thing. It's like a suction cup, but it's attached to like a vacuum, and it's, it sucks the dent out. And, I, and, he, and he says to me, uh, he goes, I'll do it for $450. And I go, well, well you know, it's $450. He goes, I t- he goes, I'll tell you what, I'll drop it to $400. He goes, because you're, you're going to pay a lot more now with your deductible to get this dent out. They're going to have to take the door off. They're going to uh, disassemble. They're going to push it from the inside, the whole bit. Uh, I said, how long would it take you to do this? He says, uh, seven, eight minutes. <laughs> so I go, oh, wait a minute. I, this is going to save me some time. It's probably going to save me a couple dollars. Even if the guy, uh, so, so I go in and, and I come back and my man's working on the car. He's got the dents out. He's putting the clear coat on. He's putting the, he, he took out a couple of the smudges with the, with rubbing compound. And uh, I, I go, he goes, I couldn't get that one little strip out, but I, I think you're good. Uh, and he goes, I'll tell you what. He goes, uh, I said, Wait, what do you want me to do? You want me to go home and get a check for you? Because I didn't have cash. Uh, you want to trust me? I can, you know, I can go home. I live right around the corner. I can go get it for you. He goes, I'll tell you what. Why don't you go in uh, into CBS and buy me a gift card? I give my kids some you know, presents for Christmas. There's nothing wrong. Everything about this is wrong. Everything about this situation that you are saying, every word is wrong. Okay. So uh, when faced with this situation, because I did it. I did it. The guy fixed the car. I got him a $350 Visa gift card from CVS. No must, no fuss. I don't have to bother the insurance company. I don't have to bother the Mercedes auto body shop dealer. And uh, it's finished. So when faced with this kind of a situation and the wheels are turning in your head, what would you have done? I, first of all, but the math in my head said this guy's getting paid two grand an hour. And I wonder how much that device costs. I probably would have done a quick Google search to see if I could find the device itself. Just, just to be curious how much the device itself costs. Uh, I, I Listen, when I was younger, I had a similar situation happen with me. When I was younger and I had two nickels, I had like an old Camaro and it had a few dents in it. And the guy pulled up next to me. Hey, I got a shop right here. Bring it in. I'll take care of it for you right now. You know, real cheap, a few hundred bucks. And I went, no. Nah. I'm just, what surprises me because I'm cynical but you're twice as cynical as I am. And I was really surprised that you weren't like beat it because I, I would have been like, thanks, but no thanks. It's the thing. I say beat it. I still got a dent. And I still have to go through the parameters to get it fixed by making an appointment, calling this, calling the insurance, trying to get the insurance, paying the deductible, the whole bit. And I go, you know what? I did some quick figuring in my head. I go, the guy can do it. It's what he does. He goes around. He sees people with dents. He gets them out. He's contracted by car dealerships to get dents out. He, he wants to buy his kids. You know, he didn't look like he was a wealthy guy, right? right. You know, maybe he's down on his luck, whatever. And this is how he schleps around, makes money. I felt like I could, did a good deed while I was getting the car fixed. I think you lucked out. I think I think um, I would say a vast majority of uh, in that situation, the people would have gotten taken advantage of in some way. But it sounds like you made out all right. So you got lucky. Hey, I'm just cynical. Three, 350. You know, what are we going to get a dent fix? No. <laughs> what are you going to $10 to get a dent fix? It's going to cost you a few hundred anyway. I would have said I'll give you a hundred bucks. Take the dent out. You don't need to compound. You don't need to do any clear coating. Just pull the dent out. <laughs> all right. Oh, there you go. All right. Number two on Mike Unleashed, that's the Phillies. It's a little news. The Phillies signed Taiwan Walker. Now, this doesn't a, a dynamic signing, but it slots beautifully as a fourth starter because Taiwan Walker can eat up some innings. He's not a great pitcher, but he's been pretty effective. We saw him be effective against the Phillies. Uh, it's a better number four guy than they had last year with Daniel Gibson so, or Kyle Gibson. What, what's his name? Kyle? Daniel. <laughs> Kyle, right? Kyle. So he's out now. They have four starters um, and they need a fifth. So what they're thinking is that the young kid, the 19 year old Andrew Painter could be their fifth starter. We shall see about that. And if it's not him, they may go to a six man rotation and include Bailey Falter in in that mix. I don't like him a little bit, but then there's Christopher Sanchez. So I I don't know what they're going to do for the fifth starter. They may pick, uh, pick up a guy from, from the street that can throw some innings as the fifth starter. But that fourth starter is pretty important for them. So it's Wheeler, Nola, Sanchez, Walker, and maybe Andrew Painter in the fifth slot, getting spelled every now and then 
by Bailey Falter because you don't want him to throw an abundance of innings. I, I think they can manage their way through that. Now, their bullpen, they also signed Matt Schramm, a left-hander who will help. So now they have a couple of good lefties in the bullpen. He was pretty good at Red Sox for most of the year. Uh, Alvarado and Strom, they've got Brogdon and Bilotti early on in that rotation, and they hit you with Alvarado and Dominguez late in the rotation. They probably need two more guys, uh, and they're going to have to get them at cheap prices because now they're, they're pushed up against that luxury, luxury cash threshold, even though Middleton says he would go over it. There's Adam Ottavino out there who had some uh, effective innings for the New York Mets. I like him. He throws very unorthodox. I think he would be an addition if they can get him at the right price. The Phillies are looking good, man. They are uh, just putting all the pieces in place for a World Series run. And, again, this is a World Series run that's going to have to happen without Bryce Harper until maybe uh, July. Uh, So we'll see where that works. And uh, finally, on Mike Unleashed, I want to say from the bottom of my heart, bye-bye to Herschel Walker. Uh, Herschel, you you made a glorious run at becoming a U.S. senator, but now it's over. Now, this is good news to the – women in Washington, because apparently when Herschel walks within 10 feet, you get pregnant. But it's bad news for the women in Georgia. So what would I say to the women in Georgia? Go out and get your can of spermicide. When you see Herschel, just spray it in the air. And, uh, and I think you'll be safe out there. All right. The man had no business running for Senate. It was a disgrace. They put him up as a candidate and tried to force feed him through just to have some political advantage. It was disgraceful, frankly. So Herschel, I don't know what you do next. I have no idea what you're going to do next. But whatever it is, good luck to you. Just stay out of my face with politics. I don't want to hear any more speeches on the stump. I don't want to hear you talk about aliens anymore. All this nonsense that you put out there. I think you're a kookaluk. I think that maybe you should get some help. But uh, adios. Well, I think the first thing he's going to do is go back to Dallas where he actually lives. (laughs) Well, then, then the women in Dallas, beware, all right? Because <laughs> I'm telling you, this dude walks near you, and uh, you got to call your gynecologist. Uh, okay. It is now time for three questions for Mikey Miss. All right, three questions for Mikey Miss. Mike, the first one, we're going to get a little nostalgic. We just played your interview with Andrew. It was the first time you've been on WIP radio in how many years? 10, 20 20. Years? Yes. So you've had a pretty illustrious career at two different radio stations in town. I think we both can agree your one at WIP was more eventful just because back then radio was just a little bit more fun. We would do, I remember a stunt we did when the Flyers were playing the Red Wings. What was that? 97. And, and you, me, and Steve were at uh, Slacks on Snyder Avenue, and, and there were literally people paying money to take a sledgehammer to a car with a Red Wings logo on it while we're doing a radio show. So, yes. Remember that? So, all right. Oh, so, yes. give me your favorite and your time at WIP. Do you have a favorite moment? Yeah, I, I, I do. It was when I played an April Fool's joke on Steve. First of all, uh, it's interesting that you bring up this. I don't know if you've seen this photo that's been circulating on Twitter, but it was WIP. I think it was circa 1992. So this is when I first got there and was paired with Steve. Uh, and on the, on this poster was Angelo and the Morning Guys, the Tony Bruno with Angelo and Al, and they're like they have a tie and they're trying to strangle him, and he's got this goofy face. And then there was uh, Chuck Cooperstein. I, I did see that. Who did, yes. who did 10 to 12. And then Jody Mack. Did 12 to 3, and Steve and I started out uh, with uh, uh, doing 3 to 8 or 4 to 8. Um, and I, I I don't know why we had that kind of a shift, but we did. At one point, I almost forgot that we did 4 to 8, uh, and Eskin wasn't part of it because I think Eskin had gone uh, either to television or to, to WMMR to do that show with, with John DeBella. But that picture is out there where we're all young. It's uh, it's pretty interesting. But Chuck Cooperstein, who remembers that name from the from the old days? I, I my what struck me most about that poster is Jody Max somehow looked older 30, 35 years ago than he does today. How <laughs> uh, <laughs> do appreciate it? Uh, all right, so uh, I love Jody. Jody and I are neighbors here in Marlboro. Yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, that was the old days uh, of WIP, and then it, of course it evolved into different shows from there. And Steve and I went, eventually got to two to six uh, position. Uh, so my favorite moment was with Steve, and this is when I was kind of close with Kurt Schilling. We are no longer close for for very obvious reasons. 
Uh, one of them being that he was uh, tweeting how patriotic and heroic it was uh, that they had the uh, insurrection on January 6th. He was live tweeting. Uh, he, he has gone uh, to that side, and I have no uh, association with him, nor do I care to have any association with him. But at one point, we were fairly close, and uh, I got him to participate in a fake trade. And I called them during the day. They were in New York, and I said, listen, it's April Fool's Day. And I want to play this gag on the audience, but but primarily on Steve. And I said, can you do me a favor? Can you call in at a certain time? I forget the time it was. Uh, in, fa- in fact, I believe you were part of this. I was just going to say, you. I helped you set this up. We were at the Philly Rock Cafe. We were at Philly Rock, and you oh. were at the studio. No, I was on site with you, but I had a another line that I was talking to him. He, I had connected directly with him. Okay. Uh, all right. So so anyway, uh, I, I made a reasonable trade. So I had the Phillies trading Kurt Schilling to the Cleveland Indians. And I said, uh, so all day I was kind of teasing this. I said, Steve, I'm working on this big story. And every commercial I would go huddle off with my phone, like, pretending I was talking to somebody about this trade. And I said, oh, Steve, I almost have it. So we go and he goes, what are you talking about? I said, there's a big trade coming up. And uh, I think it's I think it's shilling. And he and he was like out. What? What are you kidding me? I, I got no, no, I'm I'm really I'm really close to landing this. It's a big scoop. So I knew I have shilling calling in. So I go I, and I announced the trade that the Phillies have traded Kurt Schilling for I uh, forget who I put in the deal coming back from Cleveland. But Steve was apoplectic. He went crazy. What, what are you th- What are they doing? I can't believe this. This is an outrage. And all of a sudden, Shilling Chilly calls in, and we get him on the air, and he goes, yeah, he goes, uh, 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 so Steve goes, Shill, I, I want to tell you one thing. I'm outraged. <laughs> he just went crazy. And so he goes, well, Steve, he goes, listen, I, I had a really good time. I want to thank the fans of Philadelphia for the time I spent here. You know, it's on the it's on the new horizon. We took this interview out for a long period of time. And then I had Schilling say, uh, yeah, and, and Steve, just one one last thing. Um, this trade didn't happen. It's April Fool's Day, and Mike just April Fool's your ass. <laughs> And Steve was like, Steve, Steve almost fell out of his chair. It was. I remember that so great. I was there with you guys. I used to go. I was in the studio with you every day, except when you were on remote. I would go remote with you guys. So, but the best was the whole morning, the whole day. Steve's going, Mike, Michael, you're not going to get me. I know you're going to try and get me today on April (laughs) Fool's joke. You're not going to get me. There's nothing you're going to do. And you got it. It was great. Yeah, I, I did. I, and I tried to come back on April Fool's joke several years later when I was working with Anthony Gargano, where I had the Phillies trading from Miguel Tejada. And I actually called the the show as Miguel Tejada. But Anthony was in on it, but the fans weren't. And so I got the fans in that shilling trade, and I got them a little bit with the Tejada trade. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're the moments you remember. Now, if I go back into my memory bank, I could probably come up with a 100 different crazy moments that we had there, uh, wing bowl stories and, and other things that we did. But uh, that one stands out because I got Steve-O. There you go. That's a great story. I remember that very vividly. Um, second question of three questions here. I, don't, I My kids are young. I never have a free night, ever. Um, your daughter's grown. Your lovely daughter actually is going to be getting married soon. Uh, if you have a free night, what is Mikey Miss doing on a, a, just a, a total free night? No obligations, no one, you know, just you and and, and the dog. What are you doing? I, I'm just hanging out here. Not a, like make a dinner, bottle of wine, cigar kind of thing, no? Yeah, I, I usually, I'll make myself dinner every night. I'll try out new recipes. What, how I get my piece is uh, in the kitchen where I can create stuff. Uh, so that, that's basically what I'll do. And, you know, after a busy day, you just kind of want to hang out. I, I like watching trash TV. If there's a game on, I'll, I'll watch it. Obviously, if it's a Philadelphia game, it's the Sixers or, or uh, the Flyers or uh, somebody like that. I'll, I'll watch the game. Uh, and if not, I'll watch trash TV. I'll pass time by watching reruns of Law and Order. Uh, I'll, I'll check out, a, a you know, like a, a, some series that I liked and go, and go back over it. Uh, but, yeah, I, I kind of like to just sit around and, and, and chill out. Um, and, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll go to dinner with a buddy of mine. We go to Westchester, a place called Limoncello's, and hang out there. But uh, that's about it. I'm, I lead a very simple life, Darren. No, you're not hitting a garage for a little woodworking or anything, no? 
No, I'm not. Uh, those projects come at not 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 now. Like if I have yeah. to do some projects, I'm not great at that kind of stuff. By the way, but I do that stuff in the spring. Like in the spring, people think I'm crazy, but I'm gonna I'm gonna tar I'm gonna retar my driveway. Yourself? Yeah, I do that myself because I when I when I got somebody to do it, it didn't last as long as when I did it myself. So I'll go to Home Depot and I'll spill that tar out and I'll spread it. How often do you have to retar your driveway? You do you do it once a year. Oh, that often? Really? Huh. Yeah, put a cover. Well, I haven't done it for a couple of years, so it's probably two years now. But you know, I power wash the whole driveway. I get it cleaned up, and then I let it dry, and then hit hit it with that uh, that that stuff that you buy at Home Depot, and then spread it around with the spreader they have. All right, very good. Third question of three questions for Mikey Miss. This is a who won the trade question, Mike. And today's trade was the United States of America traded the merchant of death and for to Russia for Brittany Griner, the merchant yes. of death and arms dealer, Victor Boot, who was um, obviously captive here in the United States. Mm-hmm. The, the U.S. traded him straight up to get Brittany Griner, WNBA player, released. I know it's a little bit of a heavy question. I'm trying to keep it you know, up, a little up and down here, but uh, who won that trade? Well, I, I, that's not a matter of who won at all. I think that the United States had to act when it came to Brittany Griner. You just can't let one of U.S. citizens rot in jail, even though, you know, her offense she was, was kind of culpable. But like that's that's just a, a horrible justice. It reminds me of the the movie uh, where the guy was in the Turkish prison. Um, you know, you you can't subject a U.S. citizen to, to that kind of. Uh, Injustice, and that's what we, she would have got in Russia. So uh, I know a lot of people uh, will criticize this because they, 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 we let an arms dealer go, and in, in the long run, they think that's more important. But not when it comes to human rights, and I think we need to really stick up for our people. So if if you think the trade was uneven, that's fine. At the, at the end of the day, you save the U.S. citizen for persecution. It reminds me of that line from Airplane, where the pilot asked a little the young boy, "Hey, Billy, you uh, you've been in a Turkish prison?" Great line. Yeah. The movie was Midnight Express. If you've never seen that, you should see it. I have seen that movie, yeah. It's a true story. I did not know that. Of a, of a guy who got caught on the tarmac with hashish. And it's been like almost a life sentence in, in, uh, in a Turkish prison. I'll say this about the situation with, uh, you know, today. Uh, I, Boot, uh, I don't think, I think he's going to, I don't think he's going to be around very long. I, knowing what we know about what the Russian government likes to do, I think he's going to be uh, interrogated, and, and I think he's going to go away. And, and I don't think you're going to see him around very long, But um, which I think is just for a guy who's basically responsible for, up, they say, up to like 50,000 American troop deaths. Uh, but, you know, a, a justice was served for an American citizen today. That's three questions. Yeah, and, and just let me add that Brittany Griner – uh, yeah, and people say, well, they, they, you don't have the same zeal to, to uh, get somebody out of a Russian prison that doesn't have a name. Well, in fact, it is. That, 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 that's how we roll here. Like, she's a public figure, and, and the spotlight is on her being in a, in a Russian prison. Uh, so it, it makes the U.S. look bad on a daily basis. It, it may not be fair, but when you're a celebrity, uh, news uh, outlets pay more attention to that. It's a constant reminder that you have a U.S. citizen who happens to be a celebrity in a Russian prison. So um, they had to act. That's three questions for Mikey Miss. All right. Three questions. That's it. All right. I think that uh, puts a wrap on this particular podcast today. So uh, let's say uh, our goodbyes. Before I say goodbyes, let me just uh, tell you for the last time that I've got a book signing for my book, The uh, Adventures of Shima the Sheba. Uh, I will be signing copies of the book. The dog will also be signing copies with her paw mark at the Barnes & Noble. And the Chamonix Mall, my old stomping grounds out there in Chamonix, one of the original malls in the Chamonix Mall, Barnes & Noble from 2 to 4 p.m., I'll be there signing books. So I, uh, I'd love for you to, uh, to come out and, and meet me, meet the dog. I'll have the dog on the premises, and we'll have some fun. And some people uh, in that area I haven't seen for a long time, I hope you show up and say hello. Uh, again, Bet Rivers app, download it. It's a great app. Uh, Twitter, you can get me uh, MikeMiss25. And, and also don't forget uh, that I'm part of a winery now. So if you're headed down the short way, check out Natalie Vineyards, N-A-T-A-L-I Vineyards, and stock up for the holidays. we got some great specials. You buy a case, that's 12 bottles of wine, you get 15% off. 
from six to, to, to 11 bottles, you'll get 10% off. Uh, you can catch me there every now and then uh, if you take a chance. But it's a good spot to just a day trip. You sit down, go in our beautiful little wine sampling room and uh, and have a glass of you, you and your wife uh, or you and some friends. It's a really good spot, even in the wintertime. And in the springtime, we're going to have a lot of events. So NataliaVineyards.com is that where you go to. And you can order and have the wine shipped directly to you for the holiday season. Uh, MikeMiss.com. Check that out. That's my website. And also, you can get to me email there. Uh, I miss emails. I got to be honest with you. I miss emails. I used to get them a lot when I worked at The Fanatic. Uh, so you can email me with your thoughts or questions or whatever. Uh, Mike at MikeMiss.com. That's a simple email address, Mike at MikeMiss.com. And we're still going to bring fans on this particular podcast. Just send me an email and, and uh, tell me if you're worth to be a guest on the Mike Missnelli podcast because I want to I want to get some fans on. It's been too long since I've talked to you directly. All right, Darren, have a, a great uh, weekend. And uh, we'll catch you next Monday with our recap of the Eagles and Giants game. I'm predicting a two-touchdown win. Have a great night, everybody. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening to the Mike Bissonelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.